0: your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Yeah, Becky can dish it out, but she sure isn't that good at taking it. I mean, Becky, you are so hypersensitive. You're not just the man, you are the millennial man. You are the skinny jeans wearing, v-neck sporting, avocado toast munching, winged shoe wearing millennial man with a bubble wrapped ego and a porcelain self perception. Someone needs to tell the man that I am not Charlotte Flair. Raw is not SmackDown and being offended doesn't make you right.
1: When Ryan Swin, it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and Waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind around for Monday night, downloaded Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewind around for Monday night on USA, now on the John and Waiting the mic. Welcome to Rewind Raw. I'm John Pollock, joined as always by Waiting. Here on this Monday night. Wei Ting, how are you? Or should I say Highway Ten? <laughs> Just got that. Um, please explain for people who are not aware. Well, last week when we did our debut edition of the Cafe Hangout, Thursday, 3 p.m., we're back this Thursday. Somebody uh enabled the closed captioning on YouTube, and when I said highway ting, it was captioned as highway. And the number 10: Highway 10. beautiful Highway 10. Brilliant. brilliant. Um,
0: all mean, this time,
1: we've been looking for the ultimate nickname for Waiting, okay. and now we have found it. Highway 10. Think yeah. of the marketing. Think of the branding way that you can embark on this this new name. How, how would I take advantage? What would I do? Oh, I, we could have like a long like a landscape photo of you holding your thumb out at the side of the road. Mm. on the road to nowhere yeah that sounds great that sounds great it sounds sounds wonderful
0: how are you not bad oh well i mean um i'm doing okay i'm doing all right some bad news today though for obviously any uh yes comic book fan or any real honestly any fan i would say of, of of uh western pop culture as uh, obviously you know the big news today is that stanley has passed away um and uh you know a very influential man i would say uh, on on pop culture completely
1: yeah i mean it's it's always unfortunate when someone passes away but what a life to celebrate this guy lived to be 95 He's going, his legacy will be felt for generations of all his contributions. I mean, what an incredible life this man lived. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I would, uh, I would hope that, uh, he would have no regrets, but I mean, the, the legacy that he leaves, um, you know, like he really, I think is responsible for, um, I would say contemporary mythology like many of us myself included we don't really kind of i don't really read the bible or anything like that but um his stories um i think have really shaped a lot of morality in in a lot of people um of, of a lot of ages at this point
1: yeah i know i always talk about that business wars podcast but i would definitely recommend the season on marvel versus dc that i think is a really good one i think that was one you listened to yes that's right yeah so that's uh that's something I would I would recommend. Not being the Stanley expert, but when we do our Thor review this week, we're going to be joined by a longtime listener and friend of the show, uh, Brent Chittenden who's going to be joining us to chat a bit about the life and career of Stanley. I thought that would be appropriate this week.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Kind of fitting that uh, we're doing it on our Thor review on the yes. cafe.
1: Perfect. So. Lots of stuff coming up uh, this week. I just want to make a quick mention of some shows that we have. We have our usual shows. The British Wrestling Experience will be out Wednesday. And then Thursday, the Cafe Hangout. We're going to be going live at 3 for our double-double and above members of the Cafe. And joining us live and in living color at Post Office West, Martin Bushby. Does the man actually exist? Well, actually, Wayne and I can confirm that because we have met him before. But... What a what a treat this will be. The cafe hangout with Martin Bushby. Yeah. And taking calls, correct way? Yeah, we'll be we take uh, last week we were
0: able to successfully uh initiate a Google Hangout. So this week we're going to open it up to anybody who wants to I, I felt like a lot of people were shy, maybe because they weren't prepared, maybe they didn't have their makeup on or maybe their hair wasn't properly done up or maybe they were just like at work. But um Uh, This week, I'm hoping we get more volunteers who are willing to jump into the conversation because we have that ability now. Martin will be here. uh, So if if any of you guys want to talk British wrestling or
1: just wrestling in general, um, please join us. Yes, get your hair up and square up on Thursday. We look forward to hearing from you. Same day, we'll have Brayden and Davey up uh, up next. They're also going to be previewing the TakeOver special that is coming up Saturday night. Friday, we've got our... Latest Marvel review of Thor, the 2011 classic. I can't wait to discuss this with Wei Ting. Second time I've watched this movie in about three months. I know this thing inside and out. You want me to repeat some dialogue from Odin? You want to chat about the uh, the original Loki? We're going to get into all of it on Friday. I'm very excited for this show, Wei. I'm ready. Wonderful.
0: Yeah, and of course, like you mentioned, we'll have Brent in on to discuss uh, a little bit about Stan.
1: Saturday, we've got eggshells. We are nearing... The end of the eggshells run. The the eggs have almost hatched on post-wrestling as we get to 2010. And this week, the guest will be Damon McDonald from the Super J-Cast, who is going to be chatting with Chris Charlton. And then Saturday night, I'm excited. Post Office West is going to be very busy this weekend because once Martin Bushby gets out of the post office, entering in his place are going to be Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. They're going to be joining me. The three of us will review TakeOver Saturday night. And then Sunday night, Wei Ting is back here in the hot seat as we review Survivor Series. Which again, for you Double Double and Above members, you can tune in for the live video stream. And you know what? If we're feeling cocky, if we're feeling like we can just take on the world, maybe, just maybe, some live calls this Sunday night after Survivor Series. Can we... Can we dare to dream, boy? Let's not jinx it. Let's not okay. jinx it.
0: But uh, of course, the show is always free. Uh, our WWE post shows uh, for anybody listening on this very feed. So uh, just uh, you can tune in for that if you just want to listen to the audio.
1: Yes. And all of that is coming up. Very, very busy week. If you're not a cafe member, why not? It's
0: tremendous. If you're not a cafe member, I'll tell you what. That means you won't be eligible for this week's post wrestling t-shirt sticker and postcard prize pack draw. So Damn. John. I'm gonna right. randomly scroll through this list of patrons and you tell me when to stop and I will read the name of the very first person on my screen.
1: Okay, here it goes. I'm spinning the imaginary wheel stop. Jean Olivier
0: Philemon Wow, is that a real person? I don't... I actually... Let me double-check this. Yes! Yes. Jean-Olivier. Yeah, let me see where he's from. Actually, I can't even see that.
1: Uh, We learned this week that our shipping, we can send out a shirt, and it takes four days to get to the UK. That's incredible service. Yeah.
0: I mean, most of the shirts, yeah. But it also depends on the shirts. The shirts that I send out from the post office out here, they might take a little bit longer because I only spend one day a week uh, to physically send those, which is my Mondays now. That's what I do. Yeah, we,
1: we've we got the post office elves at work. Yeah. We we work them year-round. We have a much better, uh, much better job situation. It's year-round for our, our elves. We don't just work them for a month and then they have to go seek part-time work to supplement their income. Yep. So congratulations Jean Olivier Filemon. That's wonderful. I like your pronunciation. Oh, well, thanks. It's man. wonderful. Uh we also want to make mention of our uh, of our pals that run the WWE TO Trivia Night uh because way you are going to be representing the post office, I understand, on Wednesday night. Post-wrestling, will be representing the post office.
0: because uh, well, That's it, true. It won't but, just...
1: or, oh, wait, who's the team captain? That's what I want to know. It's Ooh. very
0: important. Well, maybe we'll have to have a match to determine that. But Maybe a shitty battle royal? Uh, yeah, Maybe. But uh, WWE Trivia TO is uh, an event that occurs uh, quite frequently in the city. And uh, they are holding an event on Wednesday at 8 p.m. at Tall Boy's on Bloor Street West. Let me get the exact address here just to... uh, It is 838 Bloor Street West. That's a bar called Tall Boys. And Wednesday at 8pm, they are doing Survivor Series trivia. And what makes this one a little bit special is that uh, they are raising money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada in honor, of course, of uh, Roman Reigns' recent announcement of leukemia. So uh, WWE TriviaTO is looking to do something very, very cool. Um, they're hoping to raise $500, and they'll also be donating $10 for every team that shows up. And they're also doing a huge prize package raffle that includes uh, a number of prizes, including tickets to Smash Wrestling's In Your Dreams event, um, copies of the comic book story of professional wrestling by Aub- Aubrey Sitterson, a post-wrestling t-shirt even, um, prizes from Tall Boys and copies of creating the mania and inside look at how wrestlemania comes to life so uh for your chance at all that and also to play some wwe trivia uh check out wwe trivia to and uh wednesday at tall boys and representing one of the teams will be myself davy portman Braden harrington and maybe even martin bushby Wow, maybe you all thought, team. Maybe you all thought I was going to say John Pollock, but I think that would be way too
1: unfair. Um, I'm playing the Alexa Bliss role, where I'm I maybe a, I'm the manager behind the scenes, uh, but not competing. Yeah, basically any
0: team with John Pollock, it's just like you you would spoil the fun. I would say for everybody, John. So you're being you're banned basically uh, from participating, but that doesn't mean you might not show up. You might just show up to hang out.
1: I could. I might uh, be making an appearance on, on Wednesday night to, uh, to root on the post-wrestling folks. Yeah. So, I hear yeah, are... it sounds like a lot of fun. And these things, uh, if you are going, they fill up quick. So get there early uh, to snag a table. It's for a really great cause. And they're really good guys that uh, run this thing.
0: Man, I feel like we have so much pressure like to maintain our credibility to do well with this thing. If we don't win... You're fired. Yeah, it's pretty much the end of our careers, I would say.
1: All right, well, that's coming up on Wednesday night if you are in Toronto. Uh, let's get into some news. There is a, a little bit of it. Uh, I wanted to start off uh, just rewinding to Saturday night. I know you got to see the finish of this, but for those that missed the UFC Fight Night card, it was their 25th anniversary card going back to Denver, Colorado, the site of the very first UFC that took place on this date, November 12, November 1993. And what a fight to headline this show. Yair Rodriguez and Chan Sung Jung, who I think on these UFC broadcasts, his name is banned from being, his name is like Crown Jewel. He is only referred to as Korean Zombie in any context. And this end, I had Korean Zombie up for nothing going into this final round. And in the final seconds, they're both, it's the classic at the end of the fight where both guys are just like, let's go, let's go. And Jung charges at him and eats this upward elbow that Rodriguez hits flush onto the chin. Jung just flare flops down. It is a brutal fall. He is out with one second to go, and Yair Rodriguez wins. I can't, uh, since Saturday night, I've been thinking of a better finish I've ever seen to an MMA fight. I have come up empty. This was the greatest finish I've seen to an MMA fight. This was my knockout of the year. And I'm pretty sure this is going to be my fight of the year because it was a tremendous fight up until the incredible finish.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was one of those cases where I really didn't hear much about this show going into it. But coming out of it, it was all all my timeline was talking about. Uh, I had to seek it out for myself. And it really was quite incredible. I suppose it would have been like, you know, if it was a, a fight on the level of like a Bonner versus Griffin, if Bonner versus Griffin had ended in a spectacular knockout at the very last second
1: yeah this uh, it was just an incredible finish also what i enjoyed about the card was so often the ufc it's such a patterned broadcast and this time they they stepped out of their comfort zone they redid the mat so you had the uh the ultiman in the middle like they had the music from the very first ufc the ultiman did, is that what they call him? that's what they were calling it yes oh my god and, i love that then they had the graphics package that was similar to the first one. Even the video packages, they'd start it with like wrestler versus brawler was like the text on the screen. Like they really went out of their way to make it feel different. And the UFC has fallen into this pattern where there's so many shows. It's an assembly line of shows that they they never stand out and feel different. And they achieved that on this one. I thought it was great. They even had uh, Laura Sanko out in the parking lot which is where the mcnichols sports arena uh, used to stand it's since been torn down but just just doing different things to make this feel like a special event and not just any other show Mm -hmm. that sounds wonderful i love little uh, details like that
0: i mean in wrestling we kind of typically see that whenever they attempt their uh raw retro raws or whatever they they call yeah
1: this was old school raw for ufc
0: Yeah, so I always appreciate that. Um, But I also recognize that they probably take a lot of work
1: to to produce. So, fun show. Donald Cerrone also submitted Mike Perry, and with that win, he has now won the most UFC fights in history and also the most finishes. Uh, He was tied for both of those records and now sole possession of those two records and then afterwards bringing his four-month-old baby into the octagon. Just uh, an incredible scene. So the last two fights, if you missed the show... I'd heavily recommend the last two fights on that show. Also on the weekend, we had this freak injury occur to Cody Rhodes, who ended up not being able to wrestle Sunday night in Toronto. Uh, What he was doing was he was throwing his T-shirt into the crowd in Buffalo on Friday night and heard this loud pop in his knee. And he went ahead with, it was a three-way tag match with uh, Trent Beretta and uh, Chucky T and the Briscoe brothers did the match, and then afterwards uh, announced he wouldn't be able to wrestle Sunday. On Monday, he got an MRI on the knee, knee, and he said that his doctor is fairly confident that his MCL, PCL, and ACL are structurally sound. But the bad news is his meniscus is fairly damaged. It's going to require a knee scope, uh, but he's not going to be affecting any of his dates coming up, which include... Uh, final battle where he's scheduled to take on Jay Lethal for the title and his match at Wrestle Kingdom on January 4th, which has not been announced yet. So he will be going through with those and yeah, a knee scope. That's, um, you know, it's a minor surgery, but still one that's going to put him on the sidelines for at least a, a hopefully a minimal amount of time. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, you and I had kind of talked about it, how, um, if he was to suffer an injury, it's never a good time for any wrestler to suffer an injury, but, um, it could have been a lot worse, especially if it took place right before all in, which I think was, I, I have a tough time imagining, you know, everything, anything coming up, topping that for uh, being, you know, uh, the most important moment of the year for him. Um, if he were to miss out on, on wrestle kingdom or final battle, I don't think it makes or breaks his, his, his stock. Uh, but of course, you know, to kind of close out his, his, uh, um, contractual obligations it'd probably be great if he could make it and it sounds like it's overall not as serious as maybe some of the more recent knee injuries we've been seeing
1: no and it's it's not um it's not rare for guys that require a knee scope to put it off for a while so i mean typically a knee scope i mean if it's if it's if there isn't like a crazy amount of damage you're looking at maybe six weeks or so of, of rehab but you know, you wonder, like, with WrestleMania weekend coming up, if there's something planned, like, there is a mentality in guys that they're just going to put this stuff off, and maybe he's going to stretch this, or he'll just finish, finish Wrestle Kingdom and get it done right away, mm-hmm. and and just get the rehab out of the way, rather than work on a bad knee, and then potentially make it worse. He's yeah. lucky he didn't suffer, like, a major tear, like a ACL tear that really jeopardizes his next year. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's the latest on on Cody. Uh, take over this Saturday night. Uh, the show is going to start at 7 p.m. with a one-hour kickoff show at 6 p.m. It's going to be four matches on the main card, and then they're going to be taping two matches ahead of time uh, to air uh, in the future on TV. That's going to be Cassia- Cassius Ono against Matt Riddle and Nikki Cross versus Candice LeRae. And another interesting thing is that Thursday night, They were going to be running a NXT house show in San Jose. They have since moved that to a television taping, which is kind of difficult that you're going to be taping TV before takeover to air after takeover.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Have they not done this in the past, though? where like they would just basically do a bunch of matches that mm.
1: I would think that they're not going to tip their hand to any of the booking on Saturday. You're and NXT does a pretty good job of that, even at uh, full sale. that mm. a lot of the angles they'll do backstage and stuff like that won't get out to the live crowd. It'll be the matches and, and such, unless they have a really big announcement to do in front of the crowd. But anyway, interesting to see how they handle that taping on Thursday. I'm really looking forward to that takeover show on Saturday. It's going to be a great card.
0: They almost never, ever, ever disappoint. If you're talking about, you know, batting averages of, of, of uh, uh, shows that, that constantly deliver, I think, takeover
1: is is basically the the MVP so we mentioned global wars after our review of raw way and I will quickly go through that show which we attended on Sunday here in Toronto at the former uh, Maple Leaf Gardens but let's get into raw Monday night from Kansas City Missouri at the Sprint Center it started off with a tribute for Veterans Day and then all of the raw tag team division was inside of the ring for all of you people out there that get annoyed when way and I Talk about this raw tag division. Well, you got to see the entire, all of their tag teams, the depth, all in a ring together. And what a sight it was. Who gets annoyed? And at what? I'm completely making that up. I'm just stating you and I, that seems to be a a go-to. We always talk about this raw tag division. But man, just to see them all together in the ring. What a collection. And what a segment to start off. Really, Mm -hmm. really putting these guys on on a big pedestal. We had the Revival. The B team. Heath Slater and Rhino. The Ascension, all three members of the Lucha House Party, and Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. The match begins. They're not even a minute in. Braun Strowman comes out. This was right out of Nitro. He destroyed everybody. uh, Decimates the Lucha House Party. Shoulder blocks to Axel, Gable, and Dawson. Everyone's dead. And he just gets into the ring. (laughs) And man, this division just felt like just a bunch of geeks.
0: Completely. Yeah. Like you said, man, like this felt like something, you know, that that we would have seen 20 years ago. And um, at the time, it didn't to me, it never baby faced the people uh, doing the interrupting. And I didn't think it served Braun very well here at all, Uh, maybe to a certain demographic who doesn't really care that much about, you know, uh, smaller wrestlers or, or tag team wrestling. They probably just thought, um, "Oh, okay, this worked." But I, I feel like in, with today's audience, you have a lot more uh, fans that are uh, just fans of like good wrestling, and pr- in particular, workers like the Lucha House Party or the Revival, who uh, you know coming out of a segment like this will just feel bad for them. And to me, that is not necessarily the type of feeling you want for a Braun Strowman who you're trying to push as a big baby face.
1: Yeah, if there's any silver lining. I'll say these are all teams that I think they've largely given up on or see at a really bottom level. I would have had a much bigger problem if this had been the SmackDown tag teams and you had teams like the New Day or the Usos involved that do have some currency with people. I, I don't think anyone is all that invested in any of these teams to a, to a high degree. But that said, it's it really does slot them at just such a inconsequential level. And then you wonder why... Guys don't get over, or people don't pay ticket pay to go see people like this at house shows. It's more, I think, an indication
0: of, of just how weak the actual division is. You know, when your division basically is made of all guys that are pretty much expendable uh, in terms of value. It gives me no reason to care about any of these matches.
1: Braun got a microphone, and he said, Tonight's episode is brought to you by the Monster Among Men. He sits down on a chair, and he's done chasing Baron Corbin, and he's not going to leave. Until Corbin gets these hands. So answering the challenge is Stephanie McMahon. The only only person in the locker room who will stand up to the monster. Stephanie. She says that he can't hold Raw hostage. And he has to channel all that aggression for Survivor Series. Because Shane stole the World Cup trophy. And disrespected the whole Raw roster. And that includes Braun. And Braun just says, I don't give a damn about Shane or representing you. And she says, well you better give a damn. Just like everyone on the roster. Braun says, you corporate types think that I'm just a mindless meat castle. And he knows when he's being manipulated and he calls for Corbin. So Stephanie and Braun make a deal that if Braun leads the Raw men's team to victory, he can have whatever he wants. Stephanie offers him a plane, a train, or an automobile. But what he wants is Brock Lesnar. So she agrees. He wants to pick the stipulations, and he also wants a match with Corbin. And she agrees to all of this. Baron wants Corbin to sign a waiver so that he can effectively kill this man after Survivor Series. And if she doesn't deliver on these promises, he is going to tear down WWE headquarters. I'd love to see that skit.
0: Just, like, pull up to Titan Towers and just destroy everything.
1: He basically threatened a... Act of domestic terrorism.
0: Well, okay. Yeah, sure. It's wrestling. You're allowed to do that.
1: It was interesting
0: for me to, to watch the power dynamic here in particular, um, just with Stephanie. Because typically in these situations, you have Stephanie basically, uh, uh, you know, making... A 10-8 round. Yeah, making anybody she's talking to appear subservient. But this is Braun Strowman, who, uh, you know, at this point is their biggest baby face on Raw. And I felt like it was more of a, yeah, you know, more of a 10-10, I would say. Very balanced. And overall, Stephanie's characterization on the show was a lot more neutral rather than uh, strictly heel.
1: In fairness, she had lots of, uh, lots more anger to get out on other talent on the show. Oh, yeah. So she she couldn't waste it all on Braun in this opening segment. Ronda comes out, unprompted, and the crowd starts chanting for Becky. She said she doesn't want a pep talk from Stephanie for the Survivor Series. She's been waiting for a challenge like Becky Lynch since she arrived here in the WWE and she's going to show the man how it's really done. And this just elicited even louder chants for Becky. Mm. She goes after Stephanie as Baron interrupts, comes out, says that they can't get overconfident and Baron places his hand on Toronda's shoulder and he's throwing over. And then he turns around, uh, Rhonda turns around to braun and braun ends up calling baron Stephanie's lapdog and braun is going to neuter him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I overall really enjoyed the segment. I thought they did
0: a really good job tying in both their, uh, Rhonda and braun storylines into the same segment. I thought the stakes that were laid up for braun Strowman and, and for his revenge on baron Corbin were were revealed pretty organically And I thought Rhonda just being out there flipping Baron Corbin was uh, good for her. She just comes out looking like a total badass, not having to really say too much, you know, just attacking whoever puts a hand on her.
1: Does it seem a foregone conclusion that the, the Raw men's team is definitely winning that match?
0: Because you think SmackDown women will win that match?
1: I mean, you can spread them out however you want, but I think that the men's team, between the Braun stipulation to set up the rematch with Lesnar and the fact that I think under no circumstances do they want to beat Drew McIntyre at the moment, Mm -hmm. that that team is definitely winning. Yeah, I would say so. i definitely give them the edge. And it gives an in for Braun to get involved in the title match after winning, because then he's free to get his hands on Lesnar. Yes, that's
0: right. And also, I mean, come on. Shane has to kind of get, get some comeuppance,
1: doesn't he? Yes, Shane McMahon. And is is he going to bring that trophy to the ring on Sunday?
0: Um, I, th- yeah. I think he has to. He yeah. has to have it at
1: ringside. Sure. They aired a promo for Total Divas. They're still on vacation this week. Yeah, it's a two-parter. The first <sighs> week was actually wow. quite uh, very dramatic. I can't wait. Ember Moon and Tamina... Big revenge from last week for Ember Moon. Nia Jax is out in her corner. Moon is attacking her with leg kicks and an insiguri while Alexa Bliss watches backstage because she's scouting her women's team to be announced tonight. Tamina hit her with a clothesline on the floor after Nia distracted her. And then Moon ducked a clothesline, hit a suicide dive onto Nia, who just stood there. No sold the thing, and then went right back into the ring and just continued her match with Tamina. Naya got involved again. Tamina kicks Ember off the turnbuckle and hit the most awkward superfly splash you've ever seen and pinned Ember Moon. Yeah, I wonder what happened. Maybe she's too close. Who
0: knows? But uh poor Ember kind of yeah, loses again. And you know, it's at the the story is at the point now where I think all the losses still make total sense if you're looking at it like it's uh just setting up um you know building heat for Ember's comeback. And if this was anything but the WWE, I think I'd be completely confident in saying that this was a good setup for Ember's comeback. But with this being this company, um, I have to restrain my positivity until I I receive complete proof that, in fact, that is where we're headed. Because uh, Ember could still, you know, very much at this point be completely forgotten next week. And we don't get to see her get her revenge, which I think would be a real shame.
1: Yeah, we'll get into it later, but it is kind of odd that coming off Evolution, so many of the babyface women on Raw have nothing at Survivor Series. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, uh, Survivor series, series is is made up of a Raw heel team. Mm-hmm. It seems to be where where they're headed, in, in and result. Natalia,
1: for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, the riot stuff, you know, uh, we're assuming, but uh, I, I I wonder if they'll
1: have any role on the show itself. Corey Graves was in the ring and he brought out Seth Rollins and Renee mentions that she is hoping that Rollins can shed some light on this situation with Dean Ambrose. Mm-hmm. Renee is hoping that Seth Rollins can shed some light. It's, it's gotten really
0: awkward. I mean, I thought last week was uh, acceptable, but the fact that they keep cutting back to Renee and Michael Cole afterwards to get her response and without her really having a good Believable reaction to her, her husband coming out here and speaking. It's it's got it's kind of like put the spotlight on on how maybe awkward it is. And I would say at this point it might be better off to just completely ignore the the relationship rather than to have Renee comment on it every single week.
1: He says that he doesn't give a damn about Shinsuke Nakamura. So Corey Graves says, "Man, I know this guy isn't having his New Japan run, but." If you don't have your head in the game on Sunday, he's going to take your head off. He says, "Ah, I'll be focused on Sunday, but tonight I want answers for why Dean did what he did. Seth is obsessed. He needs to find out what it... Why? So then we cut to the back, out in the parking lot, and there is Dean with his Pontiac Grand Dam and a garbage can on fire. It was an oil drum, I believe. Okay. A flaming oil oil drum. I should have that down because I do this all the time. Uh <sighs> sometimes when I just show up at Way's place and I'm outside, he'll come out, and be like, What are you doing sitting on the hood of your car with a open fire? Just hanging out. So
0: Yeah, I don't know, um I mean I'm not much of a car guy, but I also I feel like it's it's probably not the safest thing to keep Open flame so close to a a gas tank.
1: (laughs) Maybe, maybe it. uh, Maybe it's a more environmentally friendly Pontiac. It's an electric Pontiac Grand Am. (laughs) Could be. Okay. I don't know. Uh, You know, he has moved up in the world because don't you remember a few years ago when he had to get to WWE headquarters and he (laughs) and he like uh, hitchhiked there. Yeah. I remember that. (laughs) So
0: he's got a car now. We don't know that this is his car, though. We never saw him get inside it. He was just
1: sitting on the hood. Oh, this could be anyone's car. Yeah. Okay. So he's not too worried about the flames, though. Probably his fire, though. Yes. Okay. He starts mocking the fans that approach him in public, that uh, are in need of a shower, that are crying about his, his turn. And he said that Rollins would... Speak to him like he was an imbecile and a charity case. And Rollins is too self-absorbed. He said, I used to think the shield was stronger together and that the vest made him strong, but the shield made him weak. And it was a burden being their brother and watching their back made him weak. So he has the vest and he pours gasoline on it. This whole combination is very scary way with this automobile. Mm -hmm. And he douses the vest in gasoline tosses it onto the open flames and then he walks off.
0: Yeah. I thought this was a good promo from Dean. Sounded good. Yeah. I thought so. What did you think of the
1: reason for the turn? Uh, I thought that was kind of left a bit lacking, uh, for something concrete other than it doesn't seem like they have a real concrete reason for this turn other than every cliche you would expect for a turn like this. But I did overall, like this promo from, from Dean. it sounded like a guy speaking with a grievance rather than uh, a typical WWE promo, and I've got to say there were a number of those promos on this show tonight. there were a sounded, lot of there were a lot of promos period on this show um, and by WWE standards, like some good promos
0: Yes, yes, they weren't all bad, and I'm not really complaining, but like I would like it almost felt like what, how many matches did we get on the show? like four? five four or five matches okay felt like there were a lot of promos and to me yeah it's not necessarily a bad thing I thought Dean sounded really good he basically says the reason that he turned is because he felt the shield made him weak and I I think I would buy that fact or or that buy that um uh, reasoning if not for the fact that like the night that he turned on Rollins was also the night that they actually won the tag team belts so wouldn't it have made wouldn't it have made more sense if they actually lost that match and then he did the turn
1: Which is what they had been doing with him taking the fall constantly. But over the last few weeks, like in Australia, I believe he got the pinfall, didn't he? And then they win the tag titles shortly after that. Mm -hmm. It's like you had been telling this story about him constantly taking the pinfall and kind of building towards that. But then you kind of reverse course on that. Mm -hmm. So then we go to Michael Cole. Renee. You know Dean better than anyone. <laughs> What's he talking about? And Renee says it's Dean's story to tell. I I don't know. He's speaking in riddles. Man, I don't I... know if he was really speaking in riddles. It seemed like I understood what he was saying. Yeah, yeah.
0: It it just it feels uncomfortable. Quite frankly, I think. Um, and I I feel bad for Renee having to kind of like maintain her her character. While her husband is like doing shit like this, um,
1: maybe she should just explain that since this uh, this dark pathway that my husband has gone down, we've grown apart and we're currently living separately. Michael, I think that would help excuse it. I mean, you know,
0: it, it would also require, I think, a, a, a deeper level of like acting. From Renee. um, To kind of like do all that. She might be capable of it. But it also is just like. I also get the sense that they basically don't really want her in the storyline. Uh, but they also don't want to have her not mention it. Or not comment on it at all. So so to them this is the compromise. The compromise is you have Renee from a distance say. Makes no sense to me. I don't know. You know. I I I, I see the man every day. I share a bed with him. But I mean.
1: They need to come story. up with a solution. It's getting to be just grating. Yeah. Or just I, I don't like the compromise that they've come up with. It's you need to have something. It like she comes off so uh detached. It's just it make it's it's to me it's just like a a real weak point of this story that overall does, I I do like the direction for Dean coming out of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They recap McIntyre's win over Kurt Angle from last week, and then Kurt's music played, but then we got the record scratch, and Dolph came out alongside Drew McIntyre. And this was the Drew McIntyre show. He cut a promo that he broke the shield, and now he's broken Kurt Angle. Kurt went into their match as an Olympic gold medalist, a Hall of Famer, and a national treasure. A national treasure. But he left as an embarrassment. And he says that... Angle's win, his will to win was fading, and then Kurt started to cry. And Drew's never been more disgusted. He's worked 18 years to get here. Rods his show. There's no more room for weakness, and he will no longer allow any more nostalgia acts. Which led to Finn Balor coming out, who was going to stand up in the name of nostalgia. He said that Drew crossed the line with Kurt by humiliating him. And Drew responded, Dignity is is not a right reserved for all. And that Balor is what is wrong with this place. He's concerned with his feelings. He tells him to go off and cry to the Balor club. And Balor shouts back at Drew that he's been dealing with bullies like Drew all his life. So he challenges him to a match. Drew agrees, but not with him. He can take on Ziggler, who he believes is the best in the world. And if Balor wins, Drew will consider lowering himself to Balor's level and then headbutts him. Drops Balor as we go to break. I thought this was a really great uh segment for Drew McIntyre. He he felt like a main event top guy in this segment.
0: He sounded good. Yeah. I think he's uh feels definitely like a top end heel. Uh and not the type of heel that I think the fans uh will will be likely to cheer anytime soon. So yeah, he feels like a solid hand.
1: No Kurt Angle on this show. Mm-hmm. So presumably not at the Survivor Series, unless he is going to show up for something more with Drew McIntyre, which, you know, the, if if you're keeping Drew outside of the title picture until next year, Mania season, something like that, uh, spinning something off with Kurt is not the worst uh, distraction for Drew McIntyre.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible. I also just wouldn't be surprised if they completely separated the two of them, because... I thought last week's um match was so one sided by the end of it that um I I just don't see them giving all of a sudden Kurt Angle this extra strength to be able to beat or at least even be a little bit more competitive with Drew McIntyre. I, I see Angle's ultimate program as being Corbin, but obviously Corbin's a bit tied up himself. Uh go you know, post Survivor series.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if you could do something with with Kurt and McIntyre for you've got this December pay-per-view. And I think that's a way you could just get through that show with a like some like Braun and Corbin could be on that show with a with a stipulation. You could have Kurt and McIntyre on that show and that gets you through until Rumble time. Sure. And it seems like they do have some programs that can at least get you through that final pay-per-view of the year. Ziggler and Balor had a match. Uh, Ziggler was in control after the attack by Balor, and amazingly, he was able to continue. Man's got a concussion, but they just say, yeah, he's good, he's he's fine. Balor caught him with an insiguri on the turnbuckle, hit a foot stomp, got the crowd going as he made his comeback with a sling blade. Uh, Ziggler then came back with a jumping DDT, landed the Famouser for a near fall, and then Ziggler sent to the floor. Balor dropkicks drew on the apron, sent Ziggler over the top, and hit a Topicon hero to both men. Crowd was going... Pretty loudly for both of these, uh, or for this sequence. Rolled Ziggler into the ring, misses with the coup de grace, and as Ziggler went for a cradle, it's reversed, and Balor catches him for the win. Uh, Finn Balor, uh, I guess they felt, we have no baby faces on this show. We can't completely kill this guy. It's also,
0: you know, the, uh, Ziggler is, is the precursor to, um, you know, Drew McIntyre, right? So... Uh Ziggler's always the guy who who can afford the loss. um I thought it was a really good match, but I guess like it kind of begs the question you know, like well, like I was just gonna ask you know, does Ziggler making it as far as he had into the best in the world tournament mean anything, but obviously, the only thing it means is that he is the only guy who can afford a loss to Shane McMahon in that tournament,
1: or, or they just don't value him as anything that a loss is going to diminish him
0: yeah they didn't want anybody else to drop to shay mcmahon but dolph ziggler so uh
1: he, he felt more than ever as just like he felt like leo rush to drew mcintyre tonight mm-hmm. like just didn't even speak on the mic this was all about drew and ziggler was just the you know the uh the obstacle in front of finn balor yeah yeah and
0: i you know at this point in in, in ziggler's career i i I don't think that's such a bad role for him
1: at all. Then Stephanie and Corbin were backstage and congratulates Balor on the win and standing up for what he believes in. And they wanted him to be on the Raw team, so he agrees. McIntyre and Ziggler show up, and Stephanie yells, Stand down! Stand down! And they tell uh, McIntyre and Ziggler that this is your teammate on Sunday, and you can't attack one another. And that what Drew did to Angle was diabolical and evil, Stephanie says. So she wants him to do the same thing to Shane McMahon and the SmackDown roster on Sunday. And then after they win on Sunday, they can tear each other apart. Yeah. Teammates that don't get
0: along. I mean, that's that's every time they do one of these Survivor Series breaking rights things, isn't it? Um, so I think, you know, you will get that. You'll get uh. Sub. What is it, uh, uh, Stephanie McMahon? Again on this show, kind of being a lot more neutral than than typical, um, and you might even get Charlotte and Becky working together.
1: After Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins, who would you say is the next top baby face on Raw? Um, Elias. Do you think Elias is ahead of Finn at the moment? No, no. After seeing Elias in ring. Um, I mean, well in terms of popularity at the moment, hmm. it, if if you're the WWE and you're assessing your top 3 babyfaces, mm-hmm. like in terms of priority on the well, show, I think
0: I think Ronda Trumps um that's true most of them.
1: Yeah. Uh
0: but if we're talking men, um I think yeah, I yeah, I would I would honestly put them on par with one another.
1: Like it it's not a deep babyface situation on Raw that you cannot afford to just throw Balor to the wolves essentially which that's largely he has been pretty much forgotten for most of this year I mean, and i think that just, they've just chosen to push him that way
0: unfortunately and i think so much of it has to do with the whole demon thing where you know as the demon he is unbeatable he is the undertaker but as the regular human being he can be beat and therefore you know you get to see him essentially kind of play your underdog daniel Bryan, most
1: of the time Ronda's is backstage And they played Becky's promo from SmackDown, and she says that Becky says she's the man and can dish it out, and Ronda wasn't trying to offend her or mock her past, and she goes over the threats of ripping off her arm are just ridiculous, and then Ronda proceeds to mock Becky's past careers while she was out learning arm bars, and she calls Becky hypersensitive. Are you ready, Way? Oh, yeah. Becky, you are the millennial man. You are the skinny jeans wearing, v-neck sporting, avocado toast munching, winged shoe wearing millennial man with a barbed wire ego and a porcelain self-perception. Listen, this was maybe the wordiest promo I've ever heard and the fact that Rhonda got this out in one take is phenomenal.
0: Okay. Yeah. She remembered she, a kind of shitty promo really well. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do this for the life of me. I mean, there are a lot of things that I probably can't do. But the question is not whether or not you could do it, but why you would want to do it. You know? Uh. I, yeah, I guess you can give her credit. I think she does a great job... Um. You know, usually with the material that she's given, but I felt this week... You know, first of all, I felt like this week almost just felt like a... Uh, some, some writers, like, uh, voicing of, of their own thoughts on, on the current political landscape. With lines like, being offended doesn't make you right.
1: She goes on to say, She is not Charlotte, this is Raw, and being offended doesn't make you right. You are not Oliver Twist... And I'm not some trust fund baby golden child, and every fan has seen her work and bleed for every inch, and mourn every setback. And she didn't pour her heart and soul to change the meaning of fight like a girl, just so someone could call themselves the man. I think that, like these promos or not, I think that Ronda does have a, a a lot of involvement in these promos as well, and I mean there they're out there these are quite something but i don't I think her i think her delivery makes up for a lot as well i think she's so,
0: uh, I, I think they i think they're hitting this i think i thought last week there were some really good lines even within the, the body of this there might have been some some that hit but then like there are other moments where i think it really feels like um forced you know uh they feel like words that uh are more so pre-written and might sound good on a i don't know on a poster versus like in in the body of of, of a speech um I also think Rhonda just kind of has some issues switching and gravit- like gradually switching between normal mode and promo mode um and I feel like over time she'll probably you know get over a lot of that stuff but i th- felt like tonight she still showed a lot of um uh maybe. You know, um, yeah, just kind of being new to the whole thing.
1: Did you take this as a heel promo from her or did it come off? did it come off as
0: such? I don't think she was intending to be a heel at all. Um, I think she just,
1: you know, wanted to talk trash back at Becky Lynch. This is the promo that a heel. This is the promo. The Miz would cut on uh, accusing Daniel Bryan of being being offended doesn't make you right more so about
0: being uh uh jeans uh skinny jeans wearing uh avocado toast eating v neck wearing wing chewed we- uh wearing
1: millennial yeah yeah i mean it like feels she like she so- just she just omitted the word like like vegan in in here as well yeah i mean
0: that's you know that's uh, why again i say like it felt like the promo was written by somebody uh wanting to kind of get <laughs> Like, you know, God damn it. Yeah, it felt like kind of let me let me sit down with you. I want to like get somebody some shit talk- off my chest. It felt like somebody talking through Rhonda, unless Rhonda herself, you know, feels uh, some of this. But like, no, I've received no indication that her character uh, is at all, you know, somebody who would criticize millennials like she's a millennial herself. So it felt like the voice of, I would say, maybe a 50 or 60 year old man coming through Rhonda Rousey.
1: Then Nia Jackson and Tamina walked in to wish her good luck. and Said, go get him, champ. And Nia just tapped the title. And it was kind of awkward because Ronda, had, like, through the delivery of this promo, had channeled her anger to an 11 and then had to dial it back to a 1 to play off of Nia. Yeah. It's just a bit jarring that she had to go from one to the other in the same shot. The Riot Squad was out next. And Ruby's... Got a very somber tone as she's standing there with Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan. And they showed a replay of the the brutal destruction of the sunglasses last week. And she understands why she's received such backlash. Jim Neidhart, she said, was a future Hall of Famer with an infectious laugh. And I took all those happy memories and turned them into nightmares. Nightmares! She humiliated Natalia in front of a worldwide audience. And then she looks up smiling. And I enjoyed every second of it. And says, I didn't take it far enough. And the three of us have had to claw for everything that we've ever gotten. And she wanted Natalia to feel real emotion and ball like a baby. And stated that Jim wore those sunglasses because he was ashamed to look at his own daughter. So Natalia comes out all by herself, tries to get in and attack them, but is beaten down because of the numbers disadvantage Natalia's laid out and hit with the heart attack. Uh, Michael Cole calls this a disgusting display as he then transitioned to his Survivor Series plug, reminding us that Jim Neidhart was part of many Survivor Series in the past. Well, that's nice. (laughs) Thanks, Michael Cole. King of the pivot.
0: The whole, uh, you know, kind of female heel coming out to do the big swervey promo, starting off nice and then ending mean. I feel like at this, especially this year has been uh, eh,
1: felt really cliche
0: by this point. You know,
1: car. Uh, obviously it, it's uh, a very easy direction to go because most times at least a portion of the audience will bite. And- for some
0: reason, though, like it feels like the women, they have their women do it a lot more than the men. And like, obviously, Alexa is the best to do it. But you also have uh, Carmela who who's done it a lot. And by the time we get the r- Ruby now doing it. It just feels kind of really tired. But Ruby did it well, you know? Uh, But that doesn't take away from kind of the... Sort of the tasteless uh, feeling I still get from from this angle.
1: Yeah, it's... I mean, if I even remove myself from that aspect of it... I just look at this angle that... It's just... It's just not a very... Well put together angle. These sunglasses were were, you had 10 minutes to have some kind of attachment to this memento of Natalia's that she introduced to us last week. I would say even if you're, you're going to go this direction um, it's like, like literally they put more into Francesca being destroyed by uh, with the new day, by having Xavier have that trombone for months before they destroyed it. And you got actual sympathy from the crowd when this happened. Like this was a sad moment. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that was only because it was something that was just a fixture of Xavier Woods act mm-hmm. when they destroyed this and then just reintroduced a new one that there's just like just as an angle, like forget that the fact that the her dad is actually dead, um, that is going to turn off many people. I just think it's not a great angle because it wasn't given a chance to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. Felt a little rushed and maybe for an angle like this you really can't rush it if you want it to be you know
1: uh yeah i also have a hard time imagining that someone would be so distraught over these sunglasses regardless of them belonging to a deceased member of your family i wouldn't not that part of like I, would you have a nightmare way about something like this happening like yeah this person's really shitty that did this
0: okay not maybe not a literal
1: nightmare but i i'd be pretty pissed They're going to team on Sunday. The team captain thinks this is a great idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think you can expect uh, both of them to uh, further the storyline during the match itself. I wonder if you might even see the two of them take each other out from the match.
1: I do think Ruby riot is, has been doing very good. Uh, Not just with this angle, but I feel the last like three to four months, she's really been finding her groove on this show. And, establishing herself as one of the... like this utility member of the women's division that they can put in many different situations.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, what, been like a year now that she's been on the main
1: roster? Um, Yes, the exact date is tattooed.
0: Oh, is it? Wow. I feel like it's kind of one of those situations where, you know, if she perhaps had a little bit more time to cook in in NXT, you might have had a better debut. Um, but maybe not. Maybe it took this time on the main roster for her to kind of find that groove. Maybe
1: she put her foot down after the ketchup and mustard week and said, okay, guys, yeah, this is stupid. Yeah, I'm glad they kind of stopped those for now. Yeah, let's let's move on to something more uh, chaotic like death. They aired a SmackDown promo about Daniel Bryan and his team falling apart at the seams, and, quote, Becky presents her guide to surviving Ronda Rousey. Mm. Okay. Is this a pamphlet that's going to be handed out? Maybe it's a PDF file. PowerPoint. Her guide to surviving Ronda Rousey. Yeah, oh. Maybe Drew Gulak will be on the show with her. Take two. Tag Team Battle Royal. All our teams are back out. Uh, and Corey Graves, he was like, if they're not going to take this match seriously, neither am I. So he just in- introduced the exact same talking point that he brought up in the first match about why does the Lucha House Party have three members in the ring? Ryan and Slater were eliminated first. Kalisto saved uh, Dorado on his back and then flipped him back in. Dawson was knocked off with a Tornado DDT by Grand Metalik, kicking him off the apron. Then Connor sent Kalisto off his back to the floor. All this is to determine the team captains for the Survivor Series kickoff match. Axel was thrown into Dallas. They were eliminated like idiots. It's down to the Ascension against Gable and Rude. Gable hit a moonsault into a neckbreaker by Rude onto Victor and then Gable did the Minoru Suzuki armbar to Connor as Rude tossed him over uh, to eliminate him. Three minutes and six seconds, this battle royal got. So the team captains are Chad Gable and Bobby Rude, who will team with the Revival, the B-team, the Lucha House Party, and the Ascension to take on the Usos, New Day, and three teams to be announced on Tuesday on the kickoff show.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think seeing how... um this turned out on raw just really illustrates how much healthier how, how much healthier the smackdown tag team division is right now than raw like i came out of smackdown after that amazing uso's new day match with just uh a lot of excitement i would say for this match at survivor series and then i look at the other side on raw where from the opening segment, they don't get introductions. Um, they were just their match was interrupted by Braun Strowman, and they just come back out here for the second half of the match without feeling pissed off at Braun, without anything, just just complete jokes. And uh I can't help but feel a little less excited
1: now for that match. Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman came out to start the third hour, and this was happy Brock. He had a smirk on his face, he was almost interactive with some people in the crowd. Heyman cuts a promo calling Braun an almost unbeatable monster who fell to five F5s and cuts a big promo on AJ Styles, who's going to check into the Hotel California, go all the way up to the top suite marked Suplex City, and he's going to take a beating. And he tells the kids, the millennials, that don't understand the Hotel California reference to go Google it. Yeah. You avocado munching pricks. He said that there's no one on SmackDown, NXT, or UFC that Brock wants to beat more than AJ Styles. And that Styles, uh, he must have said AJ Styles Survivor Series like six times. And it's going to end with Suplex City f 5 And then Brock and Heyman are interrupted by Jinder Mahal with the Singh Brothers. And they came out and Jinder said, Brock, I introduce you to Sunil and Samir. And I propose that Team Canada goes into the Survivor Series. (laughs) Wouldn't that have been great? He says not to underestimate AJ, because last year, Jinder was focused on facing Lesnar at the Survivor Series, and it gave Styles an opening to steal his title. And here we are a year later, and it's still stolen. So Jinder's going to offer his services to teach Lesnar his mantra to focus on AJ. And Lesnar says, well, why not? Why don't you come in? Paul, you should listen to this. You're Jewish. So there's chance of Shanti. And Lesnar proceeds to kill all three men. He suplexed Sunil and Samir repeatedly. And then lifted up Sunil. Military pressed him onto Jinder on the floor. And if you go back and watch this, Sunil bounced off of Jinder like Jinder was made of rubber. It. This was a very... Painful landing for Sunil and a very, very painful looking catch or attempted landing uh, by Jinder. They just both fell down. And then Jinder took an F5 on the floor as Heyman mocked them, repeating Shanti. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, those
0: guys are basically, this is why they were hired, isn't it? To take beatings for Jinder Mahal. This might get them a tag title shot this segment oh yeah sure they should be the captains you know uh, i think coming out of this at least raw um i'm certainly there's no debate about what the main event of this show is it's not this match it's ronda versus becky i think brock and aj itself has some luster to it um but i think it's been hurt by the lack of promotion that you
1: can do for it with limited appearances um was it a mistake not having aj on the show tonight Mm. cuz Brock yeah. isn't showing up on SmackDown. Mm yeah. I guess I you could. If you I guess if,
0: I guess if you had to pick between one one angle or another, um I think the Ronda Becky interaction on Raw was the better one to do on mm-hmm. Raw. And then on on SmackDown I imagine you had the men come in. Um yeah. It it just doesn't feel like to me this this AJ Brock match Maybe it just isn't as hot as I think it should be, given the talent and even given the history between these two. I don't think enough um of a of a big de- they didn't make a big big enough deal. I would say about last year's match, the story from last year's match, how it basically you know affected AJ. Um, I hope they start to tell some of that uh, um, at least tomorrow. Like they have all that footage even from last year. Show me a bit of that. Um, anyway, yeah, they own they own the match. Yeah, you don't say. <laughs> uh, they own both men's careers, practically. Well, I
1: guess not H a. Yeah, so I agree. I, th- I don't think there's any question what the hot match is on Sunday. There's no doubt that's the match I would put on last. I think the arena is going to be nuts for that women's match. I think so, too. Yeah. I think the atmosphere is going to be incredible. I'll tell you what was not incredible. And the atmosphere was sucked out of the sprint center here. They were sprinting for the door here. Bobby Lashley out with Leo Rush, and it looks like Bobby Lashley was paying tribute to Jim Neidhart with his sunglasses. Yeah, they all wear Ray-Bans now,
0: including uh, country dominance on the Mixed Match Challenge. Oh, God, this segment.
1: Lashley starts posing. Rush says his genetic makeup is art, and once again, Bobby lean it bends over. That's his thing now. Fuck. I
0: mean, like, how do you even come up with this stuff? I mean, if you really want to play a funny joke on Bobby Lashley, um, I think this is what you would write for him to do every single week. Really, like, when when somebody does this, it does not insult anybody in the audience. It really only seems to insult the person doing it.
1: Every single time I watch Bobby Lashley, it just makes me really think positively of Impact Wrestling.
0: Some people come out, um, yeah... Some people perform better in that environment, yeah. Um, Anyway, that's what this is.
1: So Elias appears on the stage, and he's on his phone, and he says, Hello, I am Elias, and he's calling Child Protective Services, accusing Lashley of kidnapping this child, Leo Rush, and he's just playing off of the, the phone, asking how old is he, stating, Oh, he can't be more than 10. And he warns that the longer Bobby is out here, the higher the chance the audience could fall asleep. (laughs) And Lashley ends up calling him a clown, challenges him to come say this to his face, and Elias just says that Lashley sucks as he plays the guitar. If this segment ended here, I would have said, like, this this turned out really great. Elias was very entertaining here. He was very
0: funny. And I think, you know, his... The man really is talented when it comes to It's not
1: surprising like what they see in him because yeah. there's something definitely there that he has more of than a lot of guys on the main roster. Fortunately, that something ends when the bell rings.
0: He's got a great cocky funny type of, you know, uh delivery that uh usually, you know, begins as a heel, but you know, much like The Rock, uh I think you make the transition when you use that same sense of humor by making fun of uh, people we don't like rather than people we do like. And I think that's what uh, we're seeing with Elias right here. This is the guy I'd be sending to Evolve. Well, I mean, how are you going to make money off of him, though? Oh, you mean He'll like come just... up on the weekend. You mean just to like have him gain wrestling experience? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But there's no reason why he can't gain res- wrestling experience on, on house shows. You've got a great roster.
1: Well, we've tried. We He's been on the roster for almost two years. Yeah. We haven't made many advances. Maybe being involved won't make much of a difference then. Send him to to Noah. (laughs) Send him for a tour. He'll get over there. They had a match. To their credit, it was a short one. Albeit a very terrible finish. The winner was going to have the final spot on the Raw men's team. Rush got knocked down to the floor. Elias' back body dropped Lashley and then hit a flying knee off the apron. And then as Elias sent Bobby into the ring, he goes to climb in. But Leo has climbed underneath the ring, holds onto Elias's leg, and he's counted out in two minutes and 13 seconds. Elias yanked out Rush, sent Lashley into the steps into the barricade, and then just hurled Leo through the ropes to the floor onto Lashley. So Elias stands tall, but not enough that Stephanie would want him on the team. So Elias will not be participating in the men's team on Sunday. No, no. But, I mean, I think seeing the match or lack thereof here
0: just tells you uh, that they also understand that this man's biggest weakness is his in- in-ring ability. Because last week's match, I thought, died. Uh, this week, there was no match. And I felt like this was perhaps the best way to do a But I'll take face. this over that Ziggler atrocity last yeah, week. Yeah, maybe this was the best way to do a babyface alliance match by not having him wrestle at all and having the heels cost him the match via countout. So, he didn't even need to work a finishing sequence here. Now, they just have to basically figure out creative ways to do this every single night for the rest of his babyface run.
1: Short TV matches, long house show matches. That would be my formula with this guy. Oh, try those poor house show people. It's not enough. Well, you know what? No one's showing up to them anymore anyway. So, oh you, can't, you can't turn them. In, why don't, how about, you're not going to hurt it anymore. Why not do
0: those matches in private? How about that? Empty arena, 60-minute Iron Man matches. And yeah, maybe he can come to a town near you and go just work, work indies. When he's a heel, that's when he should be having these long matches, oh. you know, just to, just to bore everybody so that he can actually get booed. It's
1: a really tough formula to figure out with this guy because charisma wise, he's among the upper echelon on this show.
0: So does it tell you that maybe some guys just don't, shouldn't be wrestling? Like, what's so bad about turning this man into a manager?
1: I don't... See, they look at people like Leo Rush. That's a manager. Mm -hmm. It's someone that they don't see much in. And I think they see a lot in this guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's a little large, I guess, to be a manager. He wouldn't be a very good manager. Alexa Bliss comes out with Tamina, Nia Jax, and Mickey James and says, it's personal. To prove Raw will always be the A-show. She demands victory. And announces that Tamina, Nia Jax, and Mickey are part of her team, as is Natalia, who she has sent home to refocus and gear her energy towards SmackDown Live. The final spot will be determined in the next match to see if these two will put their friendship aside to get onto the team. So we are going to get the long-awaited Sasha Banks versus Bayley match. When
0: was the last time we would have seen this? A singles match. Would have been would it have been did, before this year?
1: Did they do it on Raw during their Are They Breaking Up? Are they not? Uh dude. viewed earlier this year? Because Man, I put it out of my memory.
0: I have a lot to go through for, for worst of picks
1: and uh Not best yeah. of? I don't think so. Sasha and Bailey. Uh they did not take over anything in this match. Banks missed with the running knees into the apron. Do while you, Bailey, hey, by the way, do you remember
0: when they went through the whole like they might be in love, type of thing.
1: I'm in love with you. Yeah, I I now do remember that.
0: What happened Again, with that? I've,
1: uh, obviously, wasn't reciprocated. Okay.
0: You're yeah, gonna try I and mean, uh, this year has just been like full of, um you know, start stop uh, threads in this in this thing. I would love for somebody to chronicle this entire thing.
1: They had a singles match on April 16th this year, a week after WrestleMania. Okay. All right. So there you you have it. Oh, they they had a, a few singles matches this year. Oh, okay. So just add this to the pile. Bailey's selling her shoulder. Sasha's selling her knees. Michael Cole got really serious and said, guys, LA has never hosted the Survivor Series before. Man, wow! Stop, stop everything! What Whoa, you are you serious? This show just got way more important. Bailey hit a Bailey to belly onto the edge of the apron. Both fell down to the floor. They went through the commercial. Bailey hit a top rope elbow. I think Sasha was getting her knees up, which had been damaged for the whole match. And then Sasha applies the bank statement. Tamina and Nia just climb into the ring and attack them. The bell is called, and it's been a ploy by Alexa to get the two to fight and then announces the real fifth member of the team, Ruby Riot. I I did think the angle was clever. You know, I think if
0: you're Alexa, it makes total sense to just do this and then screw them at the end. Um, Unfortunately,
1: I hope— There's no comeback for these two either. They just look like idiots here being manipulated. I mean,
0: that's the thing. You know, Bailey and Sasha, if they don't get some type of revenge, which they probably won't because they don't seem to have a role at the pay-per-view—
1: it does make them look bad. Yeah. There were a lot of just clueless baby faces on this show. Uh, I will say that is a weakness of this, this company. So I just don't understand if you are the team captain and you legitimately have a vested interest in your team winning, why would you put Natalia and Ruby on the same team together? Like, what is the, what is the benefit you get out of this? Um, you have two, she's going to cost you. these two are going to cost each other like why would you do this I get it to like fuck with Natalia but you're you're affecting your your team here right yeah um
0: well uh, I guess uh maybe it's Natalia better Natalia than maybe she just couldn't predict that Natalia and Ruby would have this type of you know rivalry and she wanted Ruby um but it was too late to take Natalia I don't know
1: then we cut to the back, and there is Becky Lynch in her SmackDown t-shirt applying the disarmor to Ronda. So the idea is Ronda is going to have to go into this match injured. Becky then comes out to the arena. This was incredible because not only has SmackDown infiltrated the arena, the production team has gotten her theme song. They've infiltrated the production truck. Obviously, this was this was really thought out. Yeah. Becky comes out and she is staring down seven heels in the ring. I was like, okay, they've, they are not trying at all to heal this woman. I mean, this is, I'm watching Steve Austin here. She just laid out Rhonda. She comes out walking out here like the biggest badass on the show and she's going to take on these seven. But then the rest of the SmackDown women join in, including Charlotte, that. I don't know if I liked her being part of this. Not just the Becky feud, but the whole story they've been doing that she doesn't know if she has the confidence to go ahead with this. Like, she was not even part of the team announcement. That was supposed to be the big
0: reveal. They kept teasing all show long who is going to be the last member of Team SmackDown.
1: And, you know, did they have people that weren't on the team? Yeah, they had the iconics in this, too. So it was just all those SmackDown women... It wasn't even made clear that Charlotte's on the team, although that's what I took by her being involved here. I guess you can excuse it because
0: it's not necessarily all the team members that are out here. It's just uh, everybody that's on SmackDown that's out here. But I really didn't like seeing Charlotte and Becky side by side, you know, fighting on the same side. To me, that is your most valuable program that you have in the company right now. That's between Becky and Charlotte. And I think just seeing them in this context... I personally have an issue with it. Maybe some people don't, but it's for, Charlotte added
1: nothing. She that's it. If you were not paying too much attention, you wouldn't have even noticed her. Yeah. She was not integral to this at all.
0: It's for reasons like that, like this, you know, having to kind of ignore so much of your ongoing storylines that you put a lot more effort into for this particular pay-per-view that, that I, that makes me really dislike, you know, this brand versus brand pay-per-view under siege, all the stuff, stuff visually for one week. I think it looks great, but um, it, I just hate how, how much you have to sacrifice for your other storylines. I, I guess some type of explanation maybe might've, might've helped, but we didn't get that. And I kind of doubt that we'll, we'll get much of it on
1: a Tuesday either. I have to go on a little detour uh, to explain this next part of the show on Sunday night after the ring of honor show, you and I, along with Braden and Davey, we went out for a nice meal at Fran's. Yeah, and I decided at 11 p.m. to order a coffee. Yeah, why because, did you do that? Well, you see, I like coffee, and I don't for the last year. I'm drinking I can the drink coffee, coffee right now. By the way, I'm drinking
0: one at 12:30 a.m. A,
1: a decaf or a regular? All regular. Coffee. Okay, wild man. Yeah, because I can drink coffee at any hour, and it has no impact on me. I don't know what was loaded in this coffee. But I was so wired after I left you guys on Sunday. I slept so badly. I felt like it just felt terrible. Like this caffeine that I could just feel coursing my veins until like 4.30 in the morning. I felt sick. As bad as I felt, it was only the second most ill I felt in a 24-hour time period. Because then I watched the camera work during this brawl. This was at another level. This induced nausea on me. Way.
0: Yeah, I mean, anytime you you have chaos listed on the rundown, I think this you, was crazy. You're gonna get some very creative uh, camera work and editing for or, or, or cutting from the from the production here. This is just the WWE Kevin Dunn style, John. It's uh. You know, we can't let the action speak for itself. We have to accentuate it and we have to create the action ourselves because we're the best production staff in the world, John. So we need crazy camera work. We need, you know, fast cuts. Um, I guess it's gotten to the point now where I've almost just like shut it out, just like I've shut out the uh, train track noises from from uh, uh, my place. Um, You just kind of get used to it. But maybe maybe some of us do.
1: Some of us don't. Maybe it's brawn on that train his gift from stephanie Uh, yeah planes trains and automobiles i don't know what she was hit with but if i find out on tuesday that the cameraman was going so crazy that he (laughs) whacked becky in the face it would not surprise me that's how crazy and erratic the camera work was yeah did you catch the the strike that becky took because her face looked like she just came up and was a bloody mess
0: i tried to slow it down to watch it it took place as becky was moving towards naomi and naya fighting in the corner and you don't exactly see the moment of contact um i imagine there might have been some you know live footage that might have caught it by now on online i haven't checked twitter yet but my i would assume it would have been maybe some type of uh yair rodriguez uh back elbow Perhaps from Naya or or Naomi.
1: She just, I mean, I've got to say, the visual looked incredible. Like this woman just looked like she was like walking through fire here as she's just overcoming this bloody nose. Um, Oh my God, this was her Steve Austin Bret Hart moment. It was. It was people were like joking after that. They need to put it on a t-shirt. The problem. The the Austin one.
0: Yeah. The kind of shitty thing is that she wasn't the one in adversity. You know, it was Rhonda. Like if it happened to Rhonda, I think it would have been that much better. Or if the roles were reversed and Rhonda was the one beating Becky down and she had that bloody nose. Yeah. That would be perfect. Um, but nonetheless, it is quite the visual. I mean, just scrolling through Twitter, everybody's like posting this photo.
1: Rhonda runs down and Becky bails to the floor. Rhonda is selling her arm, and she tries to fight, and I think it was Billy Kay that she just could barely move, and it totally worked with the arm being dead. Like, Rhonda should not be able to just full power throw these women. That is true. Uh, yeah, that is I th- true. Yeah. Like, I, I thought it—like, people that look at that as, like, some kind of a screw-up, it, to me, is— better suited for the story they're telling than had Ronda been able to have done what she probably had in her mind. Uh, SmackDown ends up leaving through the crowd. Uh, Charlotte speared Nia on the floor. That was like Charlotte's one major spot. Uh, Becky had returned with a chair and attacked Ronda with the chair and then left with the SmackDown women through the crowd. Um, And Ronda had to look furious inside the ring for like five minutes, it seemed like. There was, like, this close-up of her, and she's, like, quivering, and it was a long time that she had to hold this. Yeah, I felt bad um,
0: for Rhonda having to act angry, and, like, I think acting angry is is tough, and I think Rhonda typically does a pretty good job of it, but to act angry for three minutes on live television – Eventually, by the third minute, you get to some pretty hilarious-looking angry faces, and in this one, it involved, like, just gritting your teeth and shaking from Rhonda. And I felt bad for poor Becky. You know, with this p- terrible bloody nose, she had to stand there staring at Rhonda for the next what felt like five minutes before the
1: show closed.
0: No overrun, by the way. Way, I was so Our excited when it was
1: when it was eleven fifty, and I realized the show's over in ten minutes. It's only ten, eleven minutes, but my god it it made a difference for me totally absolutely I'll take sense. what I can get. I have to get used to it. It feels
0: weird, it feels weird, like being done at eleven p m It felt great, yeah, like <laughs> it feels like it feels like I should be watching the news, whereas before like uh, the news is on i can't I mean raw, I can't watch it, I'm gonna ignore the rest of the world, but now it feels like i I have a reason to care about everything else outside of wrestling
1: oh it's like what can i do now with the rest of my night it's extra 10 minutes uh camera work aside uh you know bloody nose aside long long staring grr into the ring aside uh, i thought it was a really strong angle to end the show with they conveyed a lot of chaos and i i think that they've built this becky ronda matchup very effectively it feels like a hotly anticipated match for Sunday. I would say that this is maybe the most, I would say for a singles match, the best singles match they've built up for Ronda so far. And this probably is only second to the WrestleMania match in terms of most anticipation because the first one had so much curiosity about how Ronda would look. I think, I certainly
0: think it's uh, Ronda's strongest opponent to date. Um, and, And, you know, Becky's, Strongest opponent today. Um, for the first time, I would say it feels like their two, uh, female attractions, are. I think the company's hottest two attractions. So, uh, it this match to me has the main event this show. Um, and yeah, I think you'll see a really hot
1: crowd. At the end of the show, I would say like this feels so big that. Like, this should almost be WrestleMania. Well, that's why I don't think I was such a big fan of it to start
0: with, is that neither woman right now, I think, should be affording a loss. Um, and I feel like something, this is something you could save down the line, but obviously they have different plans for WrestleMania, probably, for both of them.
1: All right, that was Raw. Uh, final Raw going into Survivor Series. And let's head on over to the forum. On a scale of 1 to 10... I think this is going to be a higher one. Way I'm going to go a seven. I believe is going to be the the forum votes. Seven. Whoa, four point eight eight. Holy shit, man! I don't I don't know my people at all. I mean, there was bad stuff on this show. I'm not going to get you wrong, but I thought that I, I thought especially the ending was going to leave people with a positive feeling on Raw. I did I did think the ending was a, a strong end to the show. Okay, let's see what people are saying. All right, we start off with Tyler from Orlando. Pretty normal episode of Raw besides the ending. I thought Becky looked badass with the blood. When did that cut even happen? Nothing else really happened tonight. I thought it was hilarious they did the Tag Team Battle Royal twice. We get it. You guys don't care about your division. Nevertheless, I am always excited for these weekends. Survivor Series can be half as good as TakeOver will be. Alex
0: says, Raw wasn't a good show overall, although the ending was cool with a bloody Becky kicking ass and Ambrose had a great promo. However, too many negatives in the end. The distasteful Natalia stuff, the bad acting of Corbin, the horrible Lashley in the last segment. The worst has to be giving away Sasha versus Bailey with almost a year of crappy build just ending like that. Well, um, I guess not really giving it much away if they've already done it. Mm-hmm. Why are I? I Ma- yeah, sorry. Go. No, go ahead. Why are Mickey James and Tamina on this team over Banks and Bailey? Tamina sucks, and Mickey is never getting a push. So why leave Banks and Bailey off? Are they already geeks in their minds now? Well, I mean they're trying to promote Tamina and Naya, and I think they're doing something with with an all heel Raw team, with uh, with Alexa leading it. Right? He says uh, in the end, this pay per view just lacks any purpose other than pitting Shane versus Stephanie. And honestly, how does who cares about those two anymore? Well, here's John. Do you think that? Do you think um, any of the five-on-five five matches could main event over Becky versus uh, Ronda?
1: Yeah, you could, you could put the deciding match there, but I wouldn't. I would end with one of the singles matches. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I also, we, we skipped over the closing scene of Raw with Stephanie losing her mind on Baron Corbin, asking him, what are you going to do about this? So that sets up, I think, SmackDown. yeah Yeah. taking the men all right we go on over to andrew from cape breton i was going to say that the matches seem to lack the stakes going into survivor series and while it was true in most cases i think the ending segment did a pretty good job trying to cover that up sure charlotte now teaming with becky and a beatdown is rough and a bunch of geeks fighting to be the captain of the geeks isn't interesting but the ending segment with becky may have saved the entire show she looked badass bleeding all over herself and walking tall in the end I guess we can look forward to her losing clean on Sunday and being sent down the mid-card like all over acts. Another highlight was Drew McIntyre cutting the promo of his life tonight, and hopefully we can get a main event superstar coming up. Six Bobby Lashley ass poses out of ten. Okay, I guess it's my turn
0: this week. (laughs) Brandon from New Jersey. My dearest ketamine nights. What does that mean? Let's just go, go on. Lads, what's... Been, what's cracking been a minute since we spoke kind of tragic why don't you keep in touch i blame way anywho raw was kind of moving at a glacier pace till that becky lynch titanic hit it at the end did i mention how badass she is good lord she is the man she is going to be so over in la what are the wwe gonna do on sunday i mean you heard the becky chants during the melee's ronda promo meanderings We finally got that dream match between Jinder and Brock at Survivor Series and it lived up to the hype, eh? I didn't know Becky was the new Sid with the Millennial Man moniker. Why does Lashley wear sunglasses at night so he can keep track of the visions in his eyes? Did the Elite elite admit that they are not going anywhere in this week's episode of BTE? The Cody segment is hilarious with the Smackdown facts. John or Jopo, was that elbow by Yair luck or skill? I like how he spells out Yair as well. Was it luck or skill, Jopo? 100% skill. My vignettes are coming for my Rewind Away appearance. Like Glacier, I'm out of
1: here. This is the greatest build we have for Rewind Away, the day Brandon from New Jersey joins us. I can't wait. It's going to be a,
0: a celebratory show. I just Googled, what the fuck are vignettes?
1: I, I don't know. I Vignettes do know. he means. Well, that's what I thought he meant. But What does that spelling, mean? I, well, I guess he wants us uh, anyway. Oh, okay. Let's move on. To Jalen. Becky Lynch seems to be following the career path of Daniel Bryan with the attitude of Stone Cold. This woman is the top star in the company. McIntyre is great too. Also, Rollins at a point was a great IC champion. and WWE doesn't care about Nakamura. He can lose clean. Dean can attack after.
0: Look great to be so he can lose clean. Okay. Yep. Dave from Sydney. Under Siege Part 2. Growing up, I really loved the concept of Survivor Series, and over the last five or so years, it has become one of the dullest events on the calendar. Two weeks to build the show is a great reflection of what we will get come Monday. I'm looking forward to Becky and Ronda a lot, and I hope that Ambrose doesn't get involved in the Rollins and Nakamura match, as I feel it could be something incredible if you give them both time. Sadly, I feel we are getting the shenanigans. With what is looking like Baron's time up as the GM, could you see Bliss replacing him as the GM while she is on the men? I would love that.
1: I think that's a great idea. Yeah, or at the very least, making them co-GMs or something like that. Um, Much like you have Shane and Paige. Yeah, I guess so. Sure. I mean, like a similar... Dynamic if Stephanie's not going to be on TV.
0: Man, the only reason why I wouldn't like that is to because I would hate to see scenes between
1: Alexa and Steph with Steph berating Alexa. Right. Uh, okay, let's skip down here. A lot of people just talking about Becky's segment that they seem to enjoy. Uh, Ari from Montreal, although Becky looked like a badass and an actual threat to Ronda, I can't get over the fact her and Charlotte were at war a couple of weeks ago, and it meant nothing since they fought side by side. Or even Mandy and Sonya just uniting. I understand brand loyalty, but come on. One positive is they are treating the hottest feud in character as the main event. Question, with the seeds put in this week, will Drew turn on Ziggler on Sunday or next Monday or not anytime soon? Drew turning on Ziggler. I think it's going to happen inevitably. I don't know if it would be this quick on Sunday. Okay, so to what purpose though? I, I think that there is a you know, if you are just as a holdover program before Drew goes on his own, I, I think that you could do that and he just runs through Ziggler. Just I don't know to, if they want to keep the two together permanently.
0: But what do you what do you lose by putting the two together? And what do you gain by separating them?
1: I think they look at Drew as someone that ultimately is gonna be a heel on his own rather than having a sidekick with him.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's 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 okay, I guess. I I I suppose I just like don't necessarily see him gaining that much as uh without Ziggler by his side. Uh also I think Ziggler at that point is just back to what he was before, which is a mid-carter with, with nothing going on.
1: Or you keep them together and At some point, Drew's going to have that title, and they may ultimately see this guy as a babyface, and that's an easy program to do down the road with Ziggler, um, that you could save for a more opportune time when you need a feud between the two, uh, as opposed to just brushing them off now. Mm Mm-hmm. We go to Hanzi, who says, I was not that much
0: into Raw's build for Survivor Series this year, especially since Braun just beat the shit out of Raw's tag teams. Then they come back out later like nothing happened. The good thing is that there was only a two-week build for this pay-per-view instead of the usual four like the previous years, so at least we don't have to have forced rivalry of the brands, but the ending was great. I think it should be the main event. Do you think with the emphasis they put on this match that it will main event? Well we kind of talked about that. Um I I really do would would rather see I think Becky versus Ronda. That will be the hottest match. Um you know. The five on five I think will will have decent heat to it as well, but it'll be the Shane McMahon Stephanie show. And I just I think it would leave such a sour taste if you were to end with that one instead of the match that I think the audience is most hottest for, which is Charlotte or sorry, Becky versus Rhonda.
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, barring some disaster they have Ron and Becky go out there and the place goes nuts for them, that's going to be the match everyone's going to be talking about after. I mean, it's sometimes get really wrapped up about what goes on last, but it's like that is going to be the hot match on the show, at least from the the crowd's point of view. I guess the problem is, you know, I could see them not having
0: a proper finish for that match, whereas the five-on-five, you have to kind of do a finish, right? Mm -hmm.
1: MJ from NJ. Anyone else notice the 10 versus 10 tag team match graphic had 11 spots for each show? That's right, because they had all three members of the Lucha House Party on Raw and all three members of the New Day. Though they are promoting it as five on five, so presumably each team is going to have to have two people representing them. But, I mean, isn't it safe or isn't it fair to put them both in? Yeah, you could do do six on six. I don't think anyone's going to cry about it. It's on the kickoff. Who cares? You got two hours to fill. What the heck have they done to Lashley? And did you hear Cole and Graves giggling during the Elias segment? Mature. As a member of the tribe myself, I must say I wasn't the slightest bit offended by Brock. If only because it was so random and out of nowhere, I laughed. I was. I would love a table for three where Brock discusses Judaism with Paul Heyman and Larry David. AJ needs to win Sunday for so many reasons, particularly if Rousey is going over after taking the chair shots tonight. We don't need this to become the WWUFC. Speaking of which, how did Becky just so easily get a deep armbar on Rousing the locker room? What's the ground? De- where's the ground defense? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we need that, that full video. I mean, how did she, how did she get her down? Was that a fair fight? Yeah, that's a great question. We got a Paul from
0: the Brandon Club. I recall Paul Heyman saying that the winning Survivor Series team received
1: double the kayfabe money. Did you hear that? No, but I heard that the stakes for Mixed Match Challenge is significantly higher than winning this Survivor Series outcome on Sunday. That's
0: right. Yes. I mean, more reason now to watch the Mixed Match Challenge instead of just the dance breaks and the rap battle breaks
1: and all the Our, other things. R-Truth breaks. and Carmella are winning this thing. <laughs> uh, they, are going to, they are totally going to do a spot in the Rumble this year where... Everyone's gonna be in the ring and our truth will enter and they'll have a dance break with like ten people in the ring. Oh for sure. If and not one hundred percent be at the spot.
0: Yeah, I mean if not truth then Carmella. Yeah. But uh that doesn't to me that if they're gonna do that, then it tells me that they won't be in thirty. You yeah, know? maybe not. I guess it could. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um okay. Uh, he goes on I feel like three weeks after the, the Survivor Series the tag team elimination matches just won't matter I just want some reason to care about the outcome getting paid big money to win it is an angle even the most casual fan can understand yeah I agree I think some stakes attached to that money title shot like I mean it tells you something when they put more value and stock into their mixed match challenge than the Survivor
1: Series five on five way have you never had a sibling that you've Tried to have bragging rights over for an entire year? You don't know what it's like. I don't know, I guess. No. Uh, Mark from Vaughn asks, there's no way Becky would beat Ronda clean on Sunday, but how would you book the match to keep her strong coming out of it? Charlotte interference seems the most likely. I hope that's not the outcome.
0: Yeah. Well, you can always do some type of disputed finish. Um, Ronda's opponent next is Nia. So I think that seems to be the, the most likely candidate for some type of run-in. And in fact, I, that's probably how I would do it.
1: I think that you have an out now because Rhonda's going into this match injured, and hmm. So you
0: think he could, she could lose? Well, I mean, I still think you're going to have Naya play a part. I don't think
1: it's hard for me to see Rhonda just losing via injured arm. It's a match you can then always go back to at some point when it can be a bigger deal. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think that that would be great. It would be such a
0: one eighty though though don't don't you don't you think from like how well I mean, I guess like throughout this whole thing they have listened to the audience and you know pushed Becky accordingly
1: they're like for for all the the ways we can criticize of how they've handled all this stuff with Becky, mm-hmm. they are pushing her like a top star at the moment look at
0: her on this show playing her music to close the show, basically giving her like what feels like a hero shot at the end of it, standing next to Rhonda. She was, I thought Becky was, she the was total the star focus. of
1: that final segment, like yeah. more so than Rhonda. It was like they positioned Becky tonight to receive an enormous reaction on Sunday. And I think they're prepared for that. Yeah. I mean, although in LA though, do you
0: think it'll be any different? I think it's going to be thunderous for bet for Becky on Sunday really more so than even Ronda and Nellie.
1: I I don't think it's going to be a 100% audience for Becky. I think it will mm-hmm. be split, but I think it's going to be a pretty vociferous reaction for Becky, especially on a a a pay-per-view card where I think it's going to like she is the she is the top star among a, in a lot of people's eyes at the moment on this show. Mhm. So, yeah. I I just think it's going to be a tremendous atmosphere that's going to help the match that much more. Yeah. And I I think that if I'm not as gun-shy about beating Ronda as I would have been against certain other opponents that if you're going to do it, um, I, I don't think it, Becky's the worst idea at all. In fact, she may be the best choice. Oh, yeah, certainly.
0: To me, over Charlotte, you know, like yeah. I, if I were, were to have anybody beat Ronda, it would be the hottest person in the in the company right now, and that's Becky. We got a Dubs who says... Becky is on fire. She deserves this win on Sunday. The win could help set up round two at Mania. Everything Brock was lame. Braun looks so weak for not helping the poor Sings.
1: Yes. And the last one here is Joe from H-Town. I love Becky so much right now. So much blood. I don't know who messed up and made her bleed, but it was great. Sick. She should definitely beat Ronda. They beat Asuka so quickly, so might as well give Ronda a loss. Becky is the reason I'm watching right now. I mean, they've got something incredible with Becky at the moment. I just hope it's um, it's realized. Judging by the feedback, I mean, it, it almost seems to. I be think like everyone a, brought up Becky. Yeah, it seems like a no brainer now. Who
0: should win that match? Um, like they've, I think Becky's already arrived, but you could really make her. Like you can, like you can, you can catapult her to a bigger mainstream level, but by having her be the first one to beat Ronda Rousey in professional wrestling.
1: Or there's the thinking that they're going to default to the, the Daniel Bryan way of, if we beat her, that will make her that much more popular to that crowd.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of what's
1: gotten her uh, up until
0: this point. And you know what? If she does lose, hmm, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it works that way.
1: You or can. It, there's a way to do this on Sunday where Becky can get the win, but it's not with the armbar. And... That's your big showdown at a later date.
0: Yeah, she cheats, you mean.
1: Yeah, and it's just like you're not submitting her. It's like you're pinning Rhonda, but it's like you were... And then you you could do armbar versus armbar at a later show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Do that down the road. All right, thank you, everybody, for your feedback. Before we sign off, I just want to quickly run through the ROH card. Way and I went on Sunday night along with Braden and Davey. I'm sure they'll chat about it on up next this week at the Mattamy Athletic Center. And as a venue way, do you have a preference where where ROH runs here in town? Because this was not at the usual Ted Reeve Arena.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've seen ROH at the Mattamy Athletic Center before, the former Maple Leaf Gardens, of course. And I'll tell you, like, the experience of going into the building, I think is still something I consider pretty special. Uh, I never got to see a Leafs game there. The closest I, I got was to see, like, some type of skills competition one year um tickets were always just way too expensive but like the the i think the the um like act of walking into that building and going up the escalators and seeing the walls, seeing the windows that are still intact and walking into an arena to watch wrestling is still pretty damn cool that said though maybe it had something to do with the the attendance it felt incredibly incredibly like empty um and cavernous i would say and to me that affected uh you know my enjoyment, I would say, uh, or the energy of the show overall compared to like the Ted Riverina, Arena, which most times I've been there has been pretty full. And I would say I would come out of those those shows feeling a lot more energetic than I did for last night.
1: Yeah, I, I'm really bad at uh, guessing attendances, but I think that the setup was a negative because when I was scanning like throughout the show, like there were a good number of people there. Like it's, it was a healthy crowd. The problem was the venue was so big that the empty seats were, like, you couldn't help but notice them. There were so many big clumps of empty seats, but I still felt the attendance was, you know, it was it was a fine turnout. And I think it probably would have looked better at the Ted Reeve Arena. Yeah, yeah. Um, So we weren't there in time for the dark match. They had uh, Cheeseburger, Eli Isom, and Ryan Nova taking on uh, Brian Johnson and the fraternity uh, that we didn't get to see. Uh, and then they also had uh, a Women of Honor match um, that we got in just at the tail end. And really the setup was uh, Madison Rain uh, showing up and doing a bit of a stare down with Sumi Sakai. And they're going to be involved in a four-way at Final Battle. Um, so that was going on. And then the first actual match we got to see was a Hangman Page uh, going over Chuck E.T. with the Last Rights, And I thought that was... A really good opener. I, I enjoyed this quite a lot. They went into some near falls early on. And that was kind of a theme for the show. That I thought all the wrestling was good. But it was... um, It was weird. Like, yeah. Like, the wrestling was
0: totally solid. I think, like... I don't think there was a bad match no. on the show. Like, if I watch this... Like, I'm trying to figure out what exactly it is. Because the energy there just, like, was not there. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to feel, like, wonder what it is. Are we just, like overexposed to like good wrestling these days has ring of honor toured to uh like i didn't think it was a
1: very lively crowd and i saw like people's reports online that were super high on this show as being the best of the four global wars shows so and i can understand that because like each match was like this was it was good to to great like there was some very good wrestling on the show but i thought that the atmosphere did affect uh a lot of the matches
0: yeah, for personally speaking for me like I I feel like I I've, I've I've just kind of seen a lot of these guys um at all in and therefore maybe in a bit more of a high profile situation where this match like that, that kind of made this show feel a lot more like a just sort of a uh you know by the numbers house show featuring the same guys.
1: Uh Tatsuya Naito and Bushi defeated Vinny Marsalia and TK O'Rion. Uh, Naito got the pin on uh, on Marcelia with the Destino after Bushi ba- used a backslide on referee Paul Turner to then blow the mist into the face of the kingdom. Uh, then we had Matt Taven going over Christopher Daniels uh, after hitting the climax. Uh, there was a belt shot in there that Daniels missed and then uh, Todd Sinclair went to remove the title belt and this allowed Taven to hit a low blow. So kind of back-to-back kingdom matches involving the ref being distracted. The Briscoes over Evil and Sonata. Uh, the Paradise Lock got one of the biggest pops on the show when they placed... Uh, God, I don't even know who it was that uh, Sonata placed it in. I don't even know if it was one of the Briscoes. He
0: he did it to both of them, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, so anyway, then uh, we had Flip Gordon go over Jonathan Gresham. I enjoyed this match. It wasn't too long. Uh, but then afterwards, they shook hands, and Flip Gordon cut this very meticulous promo on Bully Ray and we got the message that he is not going to quit when he challenges Bully Ray to an I quit match at final battle
0: yeah it was a it was a good wrestler looking into the hard camera promo class type of promo
1: Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky defended the ROH tag titles against the Super Smash Brothers Evil Uno and and Stu Grayson, who usually were... Well, they were there for the uh, the show back in May in Toronto, working against the Young Bucks. A very popular Canadian act. And up until this point in the show, I thought this was the, the best match on the show. Uh, just some great uh, high-flying offense from Grayson and from Evil Uno, including a Grayson hitting a Topekon Hero onto Kaz on the floor. Uno delivered a Swanton, followed by a 450 from Grayson for a big near-fall, and it ended with Kazarian and Sky... Uh, doing a uranagi backstabber combination to pin Stu grayson but uh for for a team that is not on tv uh they were super popular here to this crowd and i I really enjoyed this match
0: yeah really great match i think for a lot of people maybe the match of the night but um i i I really enjoyed it scu are just very oh my god pretty much everywhere and uh I think it just kind of, again, shows you the strength of something like being the lead and what it's done for these three guys. I was really curious to see how they would cut their promos as a heel team. And uh, they kind of do it at the beginning where... You know Scorpio Sky starts to say like you know this is the worst time I've ever worst town I've ever been in but it's like he does it in a babyface way and then they just go on Daniels Kaz and Sky just basically cutting a babyface promo putting over the Super Smash Brothers putting over Canadian wrestlers before getting to the match itself.
1: Then uh, it was supposed to be Cody against Trent Beretta for the uh, IWGP US title. Of course Cody was hurt so they rearranged the card and it was Trent taking on Juice Robinson and this was a match that I think if this had happened uh, in New Japan, I think in front of, like this was one, I was watching this and I was like, this is a really, really good match. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get the sense it was, whether it was following the, the last match with the Super Smash Brothers or just this late in the show, they were doing a pretty lengthy match. Um, I just didn't feel it reached that that next level, but the work was really strong between these two. For me, like, I think there's also a, a level of, like, anticipation
0: that goes into my, my interest level for matches, too. Um, and, you know, I feel like, like companies like ROH and, and New Japan have gotten by a lot with just, like, announcing, not announcing matches and just kind of having them, you know, um, take place right before. But I think there are certain matches, at least for me, that uh, if I knew going in that I had something to look forward to, if I knew that there was some type of storyline... Before heading into a match, I would be that much more interested. And I feel like elements of, of that
1: storytelling were, were, felt like they were missing from a, a lot of these. Uh, during the match, Trent delivered a pile driver to Juice Robinson onto the edge of the apron. And I don't know if they were doing it as on purpose. Uh, it may have just been like their idea for the match, but. Uh, You know, famous spot from this very venue five years ago was Mike Bennett delivering a pile driver onto the edge of the apron to BJ Whitmer, which, you know, he ended up missing months and months of action uh, with a neck injury as a result of that pile driver spot. Um, So that was used in the match juice kicked out of a pile driver later in the match and it built up to uh trent delivering a springboard but then caught with a left hand by juice who finally hit the pulp friction to win the match and then he cut a promo stating that he's coming for cody's title and i think most people are expecting that to happen at wrestle kingdom juice versus cody sure yeah which yeah maybe juice gets wins the title back uh at the tokyo dome Young Bucks against Kushida and Chris Saban. This was another really great match. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matt applied a sharpshooter onto Chris Saban. And then Nick just hit him with an X-Factor while he was in. Just uh, tremendous uh, tag team spots involving both. They went through a million near falls. Uh, Kushida made the save off a Meltzer driver that everyone thought was the finish. Uh, Really, really hot. And then it ended with a... I'm trying to remember if it was the—it wasn't the Meltzer Okay, it driver. was the
0: uh, it was a Sharpshooter. Um, Nick comes in with the springboard X-Factor and then moonsaults to the outside onto Kishida. But I believe it was Saban, the uh, Sharpshooter, for the tap.
1: That's right. That was it. And then that was when Saban tapped. Yeah. Right. So Young Bucks got the win. Uh, I thought this was— really really strong uh to the point that i I think the main event had a really hard time getting the crowd after after this match that had you put this on last i think no one would have batted an eye but Mm. roh is pretty rigid about putting their title matches on last yeah
0: my personal match of the night uh with with the bucks versus saban and Kushida. i think saban and Kushida are awesome and i think the bucks like as many times as i've seen them this year i feel like they it's always such a treat to watch them live their timing is just amazing Uh, I don't know what their ROH career is going to be the next time, but I mean, you know, if, if this was like, you know, um, uh, if what may could be potentially a final chance to get to see them in ring of honor in Toronto, I'm glad I I went to this. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, they certainly, to me felt like the biggest stars uh, on the entire card, the Bucks.
1: And then the main event was Jay lethal and Kenny King for the ROH title. I'll say this, they worked really hard to try and get the audience to believe Kenny King could win this match. I don't think there was one person in the building that believed that. Uh, Jay Lethal is, uh, I think he's a really, really good champion. And they built up to a royal flush that uh, Lethal was able to kick out of. Uh, And then Lethal was just working super hard at the end, going down the stretch. And constantly trying to get the Lethal injection that was avoided several times by Kenny King... King uh, King missed with a shooting star press, and then there was a lethal injection for a near fall, Uh, and the lethal injection is a pretty protected move, so they allowed uh, Kenny King to kick out of it, Todd Sinclair gets knocked down, and King uses the rope for a three count, they actually counted three, but then Todd Sinclair waved it off when he saw Kenny King's feet on the ropes, Uh, there was another chance for the lethal injection. King countered it with a schoolboy for a two count and then finally Jay hits the injection to get the win. Uh, They came up with all these different ideas just to try and get the crowd to bite on it. Um, I'll give them a lot of credit, uh, but this one went really long. It was about 22 minutes or so. Jay Lethal retains. It was a tough position on this card, uh, but I will say it, it did exceed my expectations of what I was expecting going in, which was not much. I don't see Kenny King as a main event guy that is closing the show. So I I think that this was a tough match to put together following what they had to follow.
0: Yeah, it was a really good match, but it but again, I thought I thought very noticeable kind of the the lack of crowded energy. And it's really not the like to me not the first time this year that we've seen I've seen this ph- phenom- phenomenon personally with ROH where the title program is not the most interesting program on the whole show. And I'm not even saying program here cuz like there, are, there, there are acts like Naito here and the Bucks who, and even SCU, who I think have a lot more uh, of the crowd's interest than, unfortunately, uh, Jay Lethal or Kenny King. Um, I do respect the fact that the company puts its title matches on last, but I, at the same time, I would love it if, for whatever reason, they were able, they would able to get that title pro- program with uh, as hot I would say as some of the other characters um, on
1: the show. And then Lethal cut a promo for the audience just calling Ring of Honor the best wrestling company in the world, that they love their fans, and they thank them for supporting them. And just a babyface send-off by Jay Lethal. So I would say both guys worked really hard in the main event. I think this is one of your better Kenny King matches that you can look at. Um, So that was a positive. But, you know, if I went and watched this back at some point, I'm sure I would look at it as a really strong wrestling show but i think that being there live the it was not a super hot atmosphere and i think that that kind of affected some of the matches especially trent and juice robinson i think that was a noticeable one because i'm watching it and i'm really into the match i was enjoying that one a lot but it just didn't seem that the crowd brought it up to the same level
0: i would say one of the weaker editions uh, of global wars that i've been to in toronto and i i i think you know in terms of star power Uh, in terms of new Japan star power, I guess you had juice, you had LIJ, uh, but LIJ, I feel like we just, we didn't see that long ago or it hadn't been too long since we've seen them. Um, I would just say it, it didn't feel as special maybe as previous global wars. And I wonder if it's because maybe we've been spoiled here, especially being in the Northeast, you know, of all the great wrestling that we've seen that uh maybe even a show like this coming into our city i also didn't really hear that much buzz about it so i don't know how much promotion ring of honor uh did for this one um but it did not feel like it was a must-see show like i've i've, I've kind of experienced with other global war shows
1: all right so that was it ring of honor global wars and that will bring an end to rewind to raw way and i will be back tuesday night with rewind to smackdown as we go through the final show before the survivor series And we'll also do a preview of the show on Sunday. And then if you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, we'll be back Tuesday night as well with the double shot. And I'm going to be going through what could be the final episode of Lucha Underground ever. It's possible. The two-hour season finale from last week. Wei, I hope you buckle up. You're in for a treat. Oh, I can't wait. And what, uh, what have you caught up on? This week's being The Elite already
0: dropped. Uh, featuring a lot more clues about what's been happening with H uh, as well. This week's edition, or last week's edition of Total Divas, was quite the uh, dramatic one with a big, big scuffle between Lana and Paige. You'll never mm. guess what they fought over. Take a guess, John. Take a guess. Why, why not?
1: Paige and Lana, yeah. um, they fought over... Remember, they're on vacation.
0: They're all sharing a, a cabin, a house, I guess, a resort together. Uh, the larger bed. Close. Actually, you're almost exactly right, <laughs> yeah. They got into a huge fight over who gets the better bedroom. Oh, wow, I can't wait to watch. It gets vicious, like, they unearth a lot of kind of more deeply rooted, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 feelings between the two of them, and, uh, it's pretty wild. It sounds it.
1: Boy, sounds exciting. Uh, so Wei will have a full review for us on Tuesday, on the Double Shot. So lots of stuff to look forward to. Of course, it's Survivor Series week here at Post Wrestling. Lots of coverage leading up to Sunday night. So you can follow it all at postwrestling.com. That's it. We will speak with you Tuesday night.